0: Thanks for tuning in to Big Money in the 805. I'm Michael Anderson. Today we have Navy SEAL on the program. As our feature interview, it's Wes Spence in studio. We've got a great show for you today. As always, we hope to make the next 30 minutes a very good investment of your time. Today's show is brought to you by GEICO Local Office, car and homeowner's insurance for the 805. You could save up to 15%. Call Greg Mock of GEICO Local Office, (laughs) 805-487-7847.
1: It's time for Big Money in the 805 with your host, Michael Anderson bringing you a feature interview, a local nonprofit spotlight, and some financial wisdom.
2: Get local and
1: relevant information for the 805. For show notes and more information, go to maranatha.com. And now, here's your host, Michael Anderson.
0: And we've got a great show for you today. I'm very excited. We have two of the leaders from Pharos Leadership. You can check out Ferrisleadership.com We have Britt Connors and Wes Spence in the studio today. We're going to start with Wes Spence. He is the feature interview for the show today. Wes Spence was born and raised in Arizona. He was the first commanding officer of the Naval Special Warfare Advanced Training Program. Wes also was the chief of staff of the Combined Forces Special Operations in Afghanistan, spending three deployments in Kabul. With 25 years experience from the Navy and special operations, he now works as a subject matter expert for human performance. Wes specializes in advising high-reliability, high-performance organizations, utilizing the methodologies of training learned as a Navy SEAL and commanding officer. Wes and Brick, thank you for being in the studio today. Thank you for having us, Mike. Really appreciate being here. To start, I want to talk about your backstory a little bit, Wes. Now, you grew up in Arizona. You learned how to shoot and hunt and fish as a young boy. But let me ask you just point blank. Were you born a Navy SEAL or did you become a Navy SEAL? It's the old question of nature versus nurture. Can you speak to that?
1: Yeah, I, I I think no one's born anything. I think everything is what you uh, what you come up with in any culture, You what a, appeals to you, for one. That's kind of the first step in any journey, right? Something that it appeals to you, and you work toward that goal. Fortunately, it matched up with me. There's a whole backstory on how I even got there. It's pretty uh, wi- long and windy road. Looking at it 25 years in the background, now in the rearview mirror, I can never imagine being something different. However, it definitely was, uh, it was made, not born, for sure.
0: At what point did you say, hey, this is something I think I want to go to?
1: Yeah, you know, my partner here is, a, is an F-14 pilot, you know, former Navy pilot, and that was actually my goal from a little kid. From five years old, my mom told me, hey, you've always said you want to be a pilot, wanted to be an astronaut, and I dedicated my uh, young life to that. Working my way, I was always wanted to go to the Air Force Academy. I remembered uh, Neil Armstrong walking on the moon, all the Apollo uh, missions back in the my young years. As I was getting closer to that, the first heartbreak of my life, playing football on my senior year in high school, I had been going through the process of being recruited from the Air Force Academy, had everything was pretty much on track, had a congressional recommendation. And two weeks before I had to do that basically was going to be a, a, what I thought was going to be just a, a very uh, mundane requirement of a physical test, had no problems. you know, I was a football player, had no problem passing any of that stuff. Uh, in a game against one of our rivals, uh, got blindsided on my right knee and I popped out my, uh, my right patella. So I had a knee injury two weeks before the test was going to go down. So I called up my advisor. He goes, oh, well, you can try again next year. I was like, next year what are you talking about <laughs> next, next year, year. Right. Um, yeah I'm ready to go to academy this year and I'm graduating so I'm a high school graduate what am I going to do now long story short out of the blue I call myself the Forrest Gump of life I got out of the blue I got this <laughs> offer from a organization called the Naval Foundation my ACTs were high enough for the Air Force Academy they weren't for the Naval Academy but they said hey if you get your your math up a little bit we'll send you to a prep school for a few months and if you get it up we'll put you in the Naval Academy Like Okay, I can still fly there, right? Oh, of course, absolutely. So, even at the time, they had more, the Navy had more planes than the Air Force, so they actually had a better chance of, of flying, which is kind of, again, ironic. I got through all that and, yep, got to the Naval Academy. So, I w- wind up the Naval Academy, and a year into my tenure there, my eyes went bad, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life at that point. Four of us were in the room our freshman year, and uh, three of us ended up going Navy SEAL. The other two guys are the ones that were talking about going Navy SEAL from day one. I hadn't really, I honestly had never really thought about it. And the more I got into it and the more I thought about it, and I'm looking at my background that you, you had previously mentioned, I was like, you know, what? that's probably not a bad fit. So then I started dedicating myself to do, uh, be a Navy SEAL by, you know, senior year at the Naval Academy. At that point, my grades just weren't good enough, to be quite honest with you. I had lost focus in there when I you know wasn't going to be a pilot and all that. And so I had to go uh, surface warfare officer for a couple of years, put in a transfer package, ended up being uh, transferred over to the Navy Special Warfare Center, which is your basic training aspect for, uh, for a SEAL training. That's where I started in 1990. And from there went off. So long and winding road to get there. But like I said, you're not born, you're definitely made. I think your story
0: definitely highlights that. And that's that's a fantastic story I really appreciate that yep. I want to share a few notes about a Navy seal and I pulled a few things up online sure. so uh, it says the Navy's the Navy's sea mm-hmm. air and land so the commonly mm-hmm. known as the seals right. Navy seals are the primary special operations force and a component of the naval special warfare so uh, that's from Wikipedia mm-hmm. the motto is the only easy day was yesterday right founded in uh, January 1962 by yep. John F Kennedy also known as the frogmen or the men with the green faces. Okay, so SEAL teams and SEALs go through what is considered by some to be the toughest military training in the world. So talk to us about your training as a Navy SEAL and let me hear you maybe relate that to uh, the business world today.
1: Training hasn't changed much in the basic aspect except for one thing right now in my day and actually up until Early 2000s, we train, we changed it. I'll explain that in a second. The basic underwater demolition seal or buds—that's your uh, pi- your basic pipeline trainings. And so when you go through buds, the training up and is still pretty basic and, and it's still very applicable throughout. Since 1962 to, till now, that it's still a lot of it's still the same. So as you go through it, you have about it's about six months of training. You have three basic phases. So you have your basic physical aspect of it, then you have your dive training, then your land warfare phase is the end of it. It's changed nowadays, and so now, at that time, the SEAL teams would train you individually on what you needed for any follow-on training. Um, What we found out with that was, it was like a box of chocolates, so while you thought you may whatever SEAL came out of SEAL Team 1 or SEAL Team 2, for example, They could be utterly different on how their qualifications, how they approached the military in general. And so, what we did uh, in the early two thousands was we consolidated all training into um, basic training phase and also advanced training. So that's you alluded to my my command was advanced training command. That's what that was the follow on aspect to to basically making everything standardized throughout the pipeline. Mm. Okay, now you have a standardized not just the first six months of basic training, then you have a follow-on thing called SEAL qualification training. And at that point, then you become a qualified Naval Special Warfare or SEAL operator, and then you can get, and you're can ready to go to war right now back in my day it wasn't so so i you know i'll go back getting back to my story six months of basic underwater demolition seal training then i went to seal team three at that point seal team three would train me into what they considered or what they thought was appropriate and at that time they were the desert focus team and so did a lot of desert warfare stuff and everything in addition to uh scuba diving and things like that okay so that's the kind of the main difference that you have between the old way of doing things and and what you have today and I'll, I'll tell you today this is a comment you have a much better product than what you had in my day and, and just we it, those guys, again, are ready to go to war at the minute they get out of SEAL qualification training. From the aspect of, uh, of what it was like to go through and the challenges you faced, you know, you hear about the term Hell Week. That's actually the sixth week of a six-month course. The first phase is all physical training. It's basically prepping you so that you're capable of doing physically, not necessarily mentally, but physically going through the rest of the course. Because it's a more mentally demanding course. By far than it is physical. They will prep you for the physical aspect, but the mental is really more or less up to you to figure out. Hey, how bad do I really want this? Right. As you're going through first phase again, it's all it's it's more physical training. The culminating aspect is Hell Week, where you're up for basically from Sunday till Friday. Um You get wow. r- roughly two to four hours of sleep for the entire time, and so it really kind of. Shows you exactly what it is. Kind of have a gut check. Okay, mm-hmm. what's sure. really what they don't tell you. It's not in the advertising. Is that <laughs> after after a hell week you think, oh, well, this is going to be easy? Oh, no, it actually gets worse. Yeah, it just gets worse. Right. I mean, there's nothing. <laughs> and uh, matter of fact, we end up in land warfare phase on the island. On in third phase, it, it is. I mean, you're doing. 12-mile runs, followed by three-mile swims, followed by land warfare, uh, basic instruction on how to do fire maneuver, um, live demolitions training. So you have, but that's why they build you. You, right. you couldn't throw a, a, anybody into that right off the bat and expect you to perform and not hurt somebody. And so the military is very good, and this is where it gets to the business aspect of it. They prep you. Mm-hmm. okay they, right. don't, they don't throw you in the deep end of the pool whatever evolution you got coming up there is a whole preparation phase of you actually getting to that one point at some point a player has got to play as they say right preparation is there so that once you get to that point where you got to um, make hard decisions whether or not um, as you're doing fire maneuver you you're you have live rounds in the chamber make sure you don't hit your buddy right and make sure he doesn't get you so you're watching each other you're, you're maneuvering carefully and you're, you're coordinating, uh, planning on coordinating your your operations appropriately. Let me ask
0: you a couple questions about that. So I I did read that only 30% of the sailors who enter the basic underwater demo and SEAL school actually complete it. Correct. You know, that's not the end of the training either. The school, as you were mentioning, but training for the first deployment, they're saying can be another 30 months after deployment. Well, I want to ask you this. How much of being a Navy SEAL is mental toughness? And I think you talked about that a little bit versus physical toughness.
1: Yeah, it really is actually, again, the hardest part of going through any SEAL training and actually the SEAL teams itself is really a mental game. It really is. Again, your, your body is going to, it's a muscle and there's only a certain level that you're going to get to. You can make incremental, you know, minor, you know, Im- improvements upon it. You got to remember that every time you do a mission planning session or, or going out into the field doing any type of operation, you always say the enemy has a vote. In order to be successful, you got to out plan and outthink your enemy. You got to make sure whatever the objective is, you got to make sure you have conting- contingencies in place. Okay. You have a good plan in place. You also have, make sure you have trust within your team if you're going out into a situation where you have to worry about, you know, little Johnny by behind you, that immediately breaks down the, you know, the integrity of that team. So you all have to work together. You have to understand each other, maybe not, even, not necessarily like each other, but you've got to have professional respect for each other and professional trust for each other at the bottom line doing anything like that. So that's where the I, I see the, the best translation of the skill sets you learn in something like Naval Special Warfare operations translating into the business world is that first off is getting a good plan, uh, making sure you have contingencies, making that team work, building that team so that you have that professional trust between each other so you know that yeah hey this you know your buddy sitting next to you is gonna actually do his job there's no question you know he's gonna do his job he's you have a, faith you can, in him. they have faith in each other so it's a two-way street obviously yeah
0: we'll relate it to business a little bit too in this way um, I know many people get upset at work maybe they're frustrated with coworkers, sure. or sometimes frustrated with their boss or the culture of the company yeah. how could someone use this idea of mental toughness to stay positive in a difficult or uncomfortable work environment
1: that's a great question and it's all you know I, I I'm a I, I can be fairly cynical sometimes, but, or, or more of a, or a smart aleck in other words. But uh, I always say, hey, hey, what's going, what's good today? And I'm like, well, at least I woke up breathing, right? And that's that's your first step. Okay, I wake up, and be, it's, it's a positive aspect on life. Two, you have a job to do. Are you doing your job well? I've been fortunate in that I'm, my wife would say it's sometimes a, a decrement too, but it's also, I'm very good at being able to only focus on what I can control. If my boss is a tough boss, I really can't control that. But I know I have my work to do, I know my job, I got my job, I take professional pride at it. I'm going to be good at it, you know, and if they actually let me go, and I think as long as you stay focused on your mission objective, you know, focused on your job, and you keep that focus, good things are going to happen, whether or not your boss – implodes and quits and then you get his spot you know maybe they get fired but hey guess what you know you you know you're good at your job you're going to get something better right away as long as you stay focused on what you can control and that's what that's what you know seal training does teach you that i mean uh, the the one saying we had was it's not just the only easy day was yesterday another one is, is um one evolution at a time if you looked at the full six months of the training you're going to go to every day you would freak out and quit probably day three but if you know hey right now i got a timed run for four miles okay i'm not going to think about the fact that i got an obstacle course coming up right after that or um, a, dive, a dive physics test coming right after that we call it torture sessions you know yeah, we got coming up right you know coming up that's a, a euphemism not real torture but a euphemism but anyway um if you, you try if you think too far ahead you get bogged down into overwhelming that elephant in the room right yeah, so you want yeah. to take it one bite at a time so that was probably for me, a person who's geared toward um, big picture items and seeing a strategic picture, it was hard for me to come back to, "Hey, just take be be aware of what you're doing right now, and if you take care of that, then you can take care of the next thing." And once I figured that out, it made things a lot more easy for me. I think
0: that's phenomenal. I think that's great. You know, just bringing back to the basics. Be happy you're up and alive. uh, Be happy you can control what you can control keep your focus on that, not the problems. And one evolution at a time. Chunking it down to what's right in front of you and what's next. And uh, I think that relates directly to mental toughness and uh, being centered on those. So, hey, I want to invite Brick into this as well. I'm going to ask, I'm going to mention a few Navy SEAL or just uh, maybe war terms or words. And I want you both to try and describe the word and maybe relate it to the business setting today. So first one, uh, direct action warfare. Wes, <laughs> yeah, talk to us about that. That's one of that.
1: our, our five primary missions is direct action mission. So basically what that is, is identify an objective and either go take it out or take a picture of it or whatever the mission is. So if you have that direct action mission, what that means is though, it, behind that is a lot of planning. And so you want to get information about that. That location. You want to get what are your capabilities, what are their capabilities? What is your competition, in other words? How do you, where are the Best me- modes of entry and modes of our method and methods and modes of how you get out of it. Right? What's the return on investment? Is it are we is our you know percentage of success, of success? Is it gonna make it or break it, or is it worthwhile? Um, what we do in in special operations, we never go out with a planned loss. Like you know, some of the big, right. bigger units will say, hey, we'll take a ten percent hit if we go anywhere. Um, well, we're, we don't do that. I fully expect to go out out and come back with everybody you know all fingers and toes intact. Again, in order to make sure you can get into a very hazardous situation and come back like that takes a lot of planning and also you have to have rehearsals you practice it okay so it goes into a coordination who do you got to call who do you need to bring in to help you out do you need to bring an EOD do you need to bring in the air guys we'd have air cover we got to go have those guys come in so we can talk to them and coordinate our plan okay so obviously at least to me it's obvious once you That can translate to anything. If you make sure you're prepared, that well prepared for anything, wherever it is, whether it's business or military, I can't see how you can, you put yourself in a very good uh, position of being a a success at that point.
0: Three more words I'm going to give you. The next one is reconnaissance. Yeah.
1: Reconnaissance is another, again, one of our other primary missions. And that's where if we are found out or if you get seen, then you that's a mission failure. Where economists is basically going into an area, getting information on it, whether it be this, uh, verbal, whether it be visual, whether it be a, a photograph or some other type of, of whatever it is you're looking for, and just doing the research on it. So that, that's your uh, your market research, I guess, if you want to and bring it. Competitive analysis yeah, exactly. or something. Yeah. yeah, who are my main players C- out counter-terrorism?
0: there? Counterterrorism.
1: That's identifying, a, taking a tactical operation, a small unit operation, and making strategic impact on it. So it's like taking a couple guys out of a company. How do you compete and or beat, you know, say Apple in the computer industry? So that's that's just something that you would have to figure out as a counter-terrorist operation, I guess.
0: Foreign internal defense. This will be our <laughs> last one, that's a okay. tricky one. Um,
1: what we're doing now in Afghanistan is a foreign internal defense mission. That is we embed guys with the locals to help them defeat their enemies in that country. I look at our mission as Pharos as a foreign internal defense mission. We're gonna go into a company and that needs help with planning, help with communicating that plan, help with learning from that plan after they execute it, and to make sure that when they go back against their competitors again, they're gonna be better for it and they're gonna be able to succeed the next time. So I I look at that as FAROS as a foreign internal defense mission.
0: Talk to our listeners about how strike fighter aviation, fighter pilots like Brick here, naval special warfare, frogmen like yourself, how you guys work together. Because often in situations, there's high risk, high uncertainty. How do you work through that process safely and is there anything businesses can do to model that process?
1: Probably goes back to Desert One, when they had that, that huge failure in the desert um, in an attempt to rescue, rescue the, uh, uh, Iranian, the hostages that were held by Iran at the time. I think all of us, not just Naval Special Warfare, but the aviation community every, and everybody learned a lot from that. And what was the big takeaway, we had radios that couldn't talk to each other. Okay, so there was no coordination. We thought we could just pick it up and move, right, and, and figure it out as we go through it. That still took a long time. We had to, you know, we being, uh, uh the SEALs and the Army Special Forces, we had to establish a headquarters called Special Operations Command. And that brought in all the elements of Navy, Army, Air Force, now Coast Guard too, some of those guys coming through there. So you have have all the elements in the Department of Defense under one command that blends all those colors together. Back then it was unheard of for me as a SEAL platoon commander to walk over and talk to the strike fighter guys and find out what they were doing. Now it's obviously expected as you do a platoon workup, getting ready to deploy or a seal team work up getting ready to deploy i mean we have pre-planned coordination efforts with guys over on the carrier that you know is going to be deploying with you at the time you deploy and so you you know face-to-face inter- you know meet now now you know brick knows wes oh yeah so when he hears wes on the radio over uh, say in afghanistan somewhere there's a personal connection not just a mechanical connection okay that coordination is what's different now and 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 really, is a really the, success, uh, the secret to I think the um, our success on the battlefield is that coordination that no one else can really do.
0: Anything you want to add yeah. to that break?
3: Yeah. Yeah. The biggest thing is um, this this out out-of-the-box innovation approach to solving some really complex uh, situations, minimizing the risk for those that are participants in it, but also the kind of collateral damage with uh, civilians and those kinds of things. It requires this this um, reciprocal uh, approach to finding the best <coughs> ways to do the things, and that's one of the benefits of this this marriage between the SEALs and Naval aviation development of this program at Pharos. Uh, at because our system of delivery for our products with Feros is really is to bring people from different pieces of the company so that they go through a collaborative process together so they, they be, begin, begin to trust. They understand the constraints and limitations. They understand what their tactical or their business doctrine enables them to do what they can't do. And therefore, they can they can collaborate and develop plans and actions as a team that they couldn't achieve before that. Uh, so I go back to my Naval Strike and Air Warfare uh, a, a days and, you know, and, and, you know the, the, the Top Gun training world. Um, we had, uh, I think, eight or nine um, SEALs with us. We had a, a sniper expert because they in integrated with air warfare in that area. We had folks that uh, did uh, a very, very um, uh, complex surveillance and reconnaissance. We talked about that. And we also had folks that were, uh, were specialists at uh, what we call high-threat uh, search and rescue. So when we have down here, aviators behind enemy lines, we had, uh, we had teams that were trained and proficient in going in there and recovering those folks.
0: The other thing I wanted to mention before we close, uh, this idea, I mean, a lot of things you're mentioning sound very complex and difficult, but I know you guys focus a lot on simplification and uh, and mastering the basics. How important is it to master the basics as a Navy SEAL or in any organization?
1: Yeah, I... I Touched on a little bit as we uh, talk about going through uh, basic underwater demolition seal training, as far as going from, hey, being a, a physical stud, developing that physical body, and getting to the point where you can do demolitions, real demolitions, you have, you know, fire maneuver, live fire maneuver, you can't get to that point without having a foundation, right? And it's not just a foundation of, of, of physical toughness. I, I, again, I go back to it's really the mental aspect that makes it or, or makes it or breaks it, okay? And so, um, and I'm, um, you know, kind of it's an old saying but you know the foundation is the foundation you may wipe off the top of it and build a new house but the foundation is going to remain the same right and so once you build that foundation then you can go wherever you want to go and that's what you know if you look at uh seal training um that is what not only builds our guys physically and mentally it also builds that culture a guy comes out of out of out of buds really being thinking he's like the toughest thing on the planet and it's actually kind of, it, it it kind of hurts us but it helps us more in the long run and you have a, you have to kind of you have a guy that really is Again, he thinks he's the toughest thing in the world, and he knows that. And you got to kind of rein that in a little bit as they come toward the normal SEAL teams. But again, that foundation of an entrepreneurship you're talking about um, is every every mission is different, okay? And so, but our plant our process is the same of getting there, and so that holds us together as far as uh, um, keep making a team and absolutely getting to mission success at the end of the day.
3: And if I could just add, um, when we look at plans, we. We nitpick complexity. We want to reduce it yeah. to the simplest, most basic things, so when, so we have a, a high probability of success.
1: Yeah, and you know, when I graduated the Naval Academy, I graduated nine twelve out of a thousand seventy. So I like <laughs> things simple. Okay. <laughs> our, our featured interview
0: today is with Wes Spence and Britt Connors. They run Pharos Leadership. You can learn more online. Go to PharosLead.com. That's P-H-A-R-O-S-L-E-A-D, PharosLead.com, and we have a link in our show notes. Thanks for being on the program today.
1: Thank you, Mike. It was a pleasure. Thank you.
0: What's in the news? This segment is brought to you by Spanish Hills Country Club. Taste the elegance. Golf, athletic, and social memberships. Visit SpanishHillsCC.com or call Cindy, 805-388-5000. We have Tim Gallagher, former editor of the Ventura County Star, as our news correspondent. Tim, what's in the news this week?
2: Well, Michael, crime is up. But before you panic, let's put everything in perspective. First of all, the Uniform Crime Statistics came out this week, and in the city of Ventura, crime had risen 25% over a year ago. In fact, it was one of the highest crime rates we've had in the city in a number of years. Disturbing stuff, things like incidents of rape, molestations, sexual assaults, particularly when the victims were drugged or under the influence of alcohol, they were way up. And there was a lot of gang involvement in several of the assaults. put this in perspective, Ventura is a city of well more than 100,000 people in population, and the jump was from 385 of these incidents a year ago to 460 in 2017 so in perspective mike it's a huge percentage jump still a very very safe place to live
0: i've heard the chief talk about how that is a big bump now and and uh but i do think the police are doing a fabulous job at keeping us safe here it'll be interesting as we watch that ongoing basis with what they're doing and tim what else you got in the news for us this week anything special going on
2: well, I think we are all got our eyes on the sky and, and wonder if this is the end of the rain season uh, for some rain talk about this weekend. But, you know, we are still very, very dry, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Mike. And there was that earthquake on Thursday. And gosh knows, the, the weather in this place just seems to get stranger and stranger, doesn't it?
0: Sure does. We'll keep an eye on that. It's always a treat to have you on. Thanks for your time, Tim. That's Tim Gallagher. You can learn more about him at the2020network.com. And that's what's in the news. Now, it's time for the Nonprofit Spotlight with your host, Michael Anderson, on Big Money in the 805. Nonprofit Spotlight, each week we highlight a local nonprofit doing good work in our community. Today's Nonprofit Spotlight is brought to you by Era Energy, powered by safety, innovation, and community. We help keep California moving forward. Our guest today is Betty Alvarez Ham from City Impact. Thank you for being here, Betty. You do bet. appreciate it. Thank you. First question, what is City Impact? When were you guys formed? Tell us about City Impact.
4: City Impact is a faith-based organization that was formed in 1995 to work with at-risk children, youth, and families throughout Ventura County.
0: And what projects are you guys doing over there?
4: We have outreach programs that work with at-risk kids that are in gangs and gang affiliation and their parents. And we do that in combination with probation schools and the sheriff's department. Then we also have a food outreach because unfortunately our folks in our county are struggling with even making ends meet. So that takes place every Thursday. Then on top of that, we have our largest program is called Safe, Students and Families Empowered. We are seeing over 300 kids individually for counseling in the schools throughout Ventura County. And that's with special education students that needs assistance, because of their special education needs.
0: How can the community support the efforts of what you guys are doing? How can they be involved with some of the good work you guys are doing? There's
4: a myriad of ways. One is attend our fundraising events, and we have one coming up soon. The other thing is be a mentor and a volunteer, because we always have kids that need to have a caring adult that will hang with them. It'd Be like a big brother or a big sister. The other thing is if you want to be a donor you know, whether you want to be monthly, yearly, or just be involved in our wonderful events that we have. Tell us about the event you have coming up. Oh, this is the Michael Reagan Golf Classic. It is the eighth year in which Michael has hosted this event, and it takes place April 30th at Spanish Hills. I'm going to do a deal, Mike. If they mention KVTA, because we already passed, surpassed our early bird special of 225, but if they mention KVTA while they're registering, we'll give them that 225 price all the way up to the 13th.
0: All right. Because like
4: we, it. I was talking to my golf committee, who you know, one of them, and so we were just saying, how do we get more people involved in this golf tournament?
0: Well, hopefully they can sign up. Coming up April 30th at Spanish Hills, 225 is a good price. It's for right. a good cause. Right. Hopefully people will get involved in that. A uh, lot of good things going on at that golf tournament as well, as long as a, there's a raffle for a cruise with Viking Cruises, you can check that out. You can learn more online at cityimpact.com. That's cityimpact.com. Betty, thank you for being on the program Thank you very much. That's all for this week's episode. That does it for our show. Thanks for tuning in to Big Money in the 805. If you have questions about the show or questions about your financial matters, you can always contact me at marinantha.com. That's M-A-R-A-N-A-N-T-H-A.com. Or give me a call, 805-665-3767. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Hi, this is Michael Anderson, Certified Financial Planner. I've dedicated the past 12 years to researching different investment ideas. There are no guarantees when investing, but with a little help, you can find the right approach. I have built AllocationLink.com specifically for you. AllocationLink.com is investment management made simple, smart, and low cost. AllocationLink.com can have your account set up in less than 10 minutes please visit allocationlink.com to learn more. Or you can leave me a message at 805-665-3767.
4: Do you ever question if your investments are right for you? Do you own any annuities, retirement accounts, or have other money you want help with? Have you ever wondered what your advisor is making or how they get paid? Get a free second opinion. Talk with Michael Anderson, certified financial planner, Call his answering service today. 805-665-3767. Leave a message and get a call back immediately. 805-665-3767.